Parenting Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. We're super excited to have you guys. We have an amazing guest. We're featuring also our nonprofit of the month, and uh, we're just going to be really excited about sharing and interacting on this live show. And then if you're if you're listening to the podcast, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank you for sharing it as well. Um, what our goal is is to bring a conscious conversation to parents who are supporting teens. And, um, you know, teens are really going through it. And I wanted to open up with this uh, statistic that just came out, published by Time Magazine. Uh, as a new study by the nonprofit Fair Health. And investigators, they combed through a database of 32 billion U.S. health insurance claims from 2019 to 2020, ages 13 to 18 uh, primarily, and also ages 19 to 22. Sharp spikes from pre-pandemic 2019 to 2020 in a range of psychological conditions, including major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, adjustment disorder, self-harm, substance abuse, overdoses, OCD, ADHD, and tick disorders. So there was a 334% spike in intentional self-harm among 13 to 18-year-olds, and which is a scary number indeed, 334% spike in self-harm. There was a 49.6% increase in depression, and there was a 67.5% increase in generalized anxiety disorder. So um, just as we feared and just as we, we had been talking about here on the show, um, you know, and, and these stats just, just confirm it, and it's just worse than we even thought. Um, you know, we've been getting anecdotal stories. Of course, the parents have been emailing, texting, private messaging us about different different stories that their teens are going through. And, you know, they're going to, um, you know, if you're not part of our uh, our private Facebook group yet, go ahead and check us out. Uh, it's called uh, Parents of Awesome Teens with uh, Anxiety, Depression, and Low Self-Esteem. And we've been going inside the private Facebook group and getting a lot of great discussions um, and it's a place where, for, where parents can open up and just have a safe space to talk. Um, but, you know, with all of this going on, it just really shows us that we can't, um, you know, just sit idly by and allow for this to happen. We as parents and we as teen advocates can step in and take an active role. And that's what this is all about. So this is the conversation. This is the conscious conversation that allows for actions to happen. And it all comes back down to you, the listener. So I want to thank you. Uh, Bo, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I enjoy the East Coast, West Coast connection. Like I always say, hey, and if you guys hear anything today, like we always say, please open up your hearts. Don't push it away. It might be something that you can really use. So I'm also very excited about our star guest. I'm excited also about some announcements that we're about to make with uh, Marianne with the One Voice Foundation. Uh, and we can go ahead and get to that if you would like. So to all my friends and everybody listening out there in the internet world, uh, Marianne runs the One Voice Foundation where they provide uh, emotional, financial, and educational support to families affected by pediatric cancer. Uh, they are one of the most underfunded resources when it comes to federal funds. Uh, in the U.S., I think four cents, she said, on almost every dollar of federal funds only goes towards this. And the families that are battling this every single day. And she has a huge announcement that we want to go ahead and bring out and roll out. So I'm not going to take a thunder, but uh, she's my very good friend. We've worked together for Many, many years now doing a lot of fun stuff in the community. So, Marianne, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Bo, Forrest, Chris, mm -hmm. meet you as well. Uh, the One Voice Foundation offers over 25 different programs and services for children with cancer and their entire family. 
Our philosophy is that the entire family is diagnosed, not just the child. So our programs are designed to meet the, the needs of all of the family members. We have bereavement, uh, we have equine therapy with our horses, we have a sibling program, uh, tutoring, uh, preschool, a lot of different programs, non-medical. Uh, we also surprise um, uh, financial support as well. It's our largest program. Our second focus is pediatric cancer research. As Bo said, only four cents of a cancer research dollar goes to the pediatric cancers. So 96 cents goes to the adult cancers. So there's a national initiative called More Than Four which we're very involved with. We travel to DC children twice a year and testify before Congress and the Senate and say, we think the kids are worth more than four. Um, our third focus is, um, my, my big announcement is both, as Bo said, um, I'm a pediatric oncology social worker and have been in the field about 30 years. Um, about three years into my own career, my nine-year-old son was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was diagnosed nine hours after my dad. Um, so I had a lot of rude awakenings, um, particularly the difference between adult cancers and pediatric cancers. Um, in the morning at 10 a.m., we had a lot of options for my dad. And at 7 p.m., we had one chemo. And the chemo was developed in 1958, which is the year I was born. So in my entire lifetime, there's been no, no increase, no improvement, or no new treatments for children with cancer. When my son was diagnosed, one of the things I never thought about as a social worker, and you think you know so much about a, you know, a field until you're thrown into it, is school. Um, my son loves school, and all he really wanted to do was go to school. And frankly, when you have cancer and you're nine years old, you can't, you can't, oh, you can't, no, we can't. It's all you hear is forget Boy Scouts, forget Taekwondo, we're going to sit home in a bubble, much like we are right now in a pandemic. Um, we're used to masks, we're used to social, um, we're used to isolation um, when you have a child with cancer. So my son passed away six months into treatment and the one thing that I just resonated with me was his inability to go to school. So we've partnered with the Hillsborough County Schools here in Tampa, as well as Rotary's Florida Camp, which is an amazing facility that offers our children camps, offers camps to a lot of different um, disease states and abilities. And we are excited that we will be opening the One Voice Academy, which will be an education center under the One Voice Foundation. Currently, there is no school in the United States for children with cancer. And that kind of blew my mind when I started researching because I kept thinking, well, clearly there's something. And really, everything's either located in the hospital, which you're not going to take your child into the hospital to go to school. If they're in the hospital, who's in the classroom? The sickest kids in the county or they wouldn't be in the hospital. So it really causes even more isolation. Um, if the teacher comes to the house, the homebound program, on average, it's 20 minutes three times a week. It's not acceptable. And so we're very excited to be able to provide a safe social distancing, which we've been planning this for 10 years. This is pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID. Congrats. Um, thank you. School starts in Hillsborough County on August 10th, and our goal is to be ready to roll and be ahead of the curve because COVID will eventually go away, but cancer won't. And kids that didn't have cancer Christmas morning, so we know that cancer is not going to go anywhere. So we want to be ready so that when um, COVID ends and kids go back to school, our kids have a safe place to go as well. Plus, it allows moms and dads to work 
because frankly, if your child's homesick, where are you? So as your medical bills go up, your income comes down. So wonderful Rotary Florida Camp will provide a lot of wellness for the entire family, not just the child. No, and that's fantastic. And I just want to tell you again, congratulations. I know how long this has been in the making and to be really the very first of its kind and the way it's positioned, you know, where it's at, you know, yeah. I tell anybody, anybody, you know, listening to this or watching this, I put the One Voice Foundation in the chat, please check them out. And don't be afraid to reach out to Marianne and contact them on the website to go check out the space and look and see what's going on. There's really nothing like it. And I'm, I'm just excited for you, Marianne. I know everything that you've been well, through. Thank and it's you. so unique. It's so unique and it's so special. Like, you know, um, I just want everybody to know about it. So. <laughs> well, we do too. So I thank know. you. Yeah, thank you're welcome. You. So Congratulations, much. Marianne. That is awesome news. Well done. A lot, a lot of hard work goes into I'm that, happy. I'm sure. Yes, it does. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Great job. Great job. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, our nonprofit of the month. Make sure you go to the website. Go ahead and say the website one more time, Marianne. It's onevoicefoundation.org. It's the number one, not O N E, but onevoicefoundation.org. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. So, so Thank you so much. Thank y'all. You bet. You bet. Continues to support Marianne. Continue to support the kids. Right. Um, it's such a such a blessing. Like I said before, you're an earth angel. You know, you were placed on this earth for a reason and you're honoring your son as well and making that connection, you know, which is a never ending connection right. of love. So I really, really appreciate, you know, and I see you as a mother. You're an, you're an amazing person, amazing mother. And, and thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes. All right. So we are going to go into the next uh, segment of the show. All right. So uh, let's see. I just had the... So it's always funny when whenever you need that that email that shows everything, then it goes away, right? Uh, where is it at? Where is it at? Um, our guest right here is actually a mentor of mine. Um, he he has um, done some amazing things in his life, right? Uh, he was working for Affiliated Computer Systems in the early '90s before founding Broadcast.com an online aggregator and distributor of college and professional sports programming and e-ads, the first fee-per-click advertising company on the internet. After Broadcast.com went public and sold to Yahoo, he moved to Kauai, Hawaii, where he started a family and became involved in organic food and sustainability issues. While there, he founded Common Ground Kauai, which is a sustainable food and health education environment and... Malama Kauai, hopefully I pronounced that right, a nonprofit dedicated to the support of local agriculture. Jabe now resides in Solana Beach with his 18-year-old daughter, McKenna, and 17-year-old son, Dylan. The topic of the show today is raising your teens, raising successful teens in a post-pandemic world. And one more thing I want to say about Chris before I give him the microphone is Chris um, partnered with me to get my services into Solutions for Change, which is an organization that solves family homelessness, right, in Vista, California. And we teamed up and we worked on Solutions Farms together. And we were able to, um, you know, raise the, the yield of the crop where they're growing lettuce to 2.5 ounce heads, 
all the way up to five ounce heads and be able to yield more crop and be able to serve more homeless families and serve more kids. We made all these community connections and it was a beautiful thing. Even launching a CSA program, a community supported agriculture program with partnering farmers and getting the whole community involved. And it was amazing. You know, we, we actually ended up giving away um, over 10,000 pounds of produce to other nonprofits and other people in need, including um, elderly during the pandemic that couldn't get out of their house, including, um, you know, victims of sexual uh, survival, um, you know, and, and just all these different organizations came together. And that was all because of this one guy right here. Let's give a hand to Chris Jabe. Welcome, welcome, What's up, Chris. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. I feel welcome. What a great introduction, Forrest. I don't think I've ever had one like that, for sure. Wow. Well, you deserve it, man. You deserve it. You give, you've been a giver for so long, man. Right back at you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. So, how you been? How you doing? Um, how are your kids? How's the family? Uh, the pandemic has actually been very good for us. Uh, it was. It's really... My daughter was getting ready to go to college. She was 18, just finished her senior year when the pandemic started last year. And my son was 17 and a week before the pandemic really got in full flux and shut down like the DMV, he got his license. So ah. he got a little, he was just super fortunate. Mm. And, and it really sort of worked out where we spent three months together, you know, in the lockdown phase, that early stage of the pandemic in a way that we never would have otherwise had in our life. You know, it's mm. like I, I, it was a true gift from God because mm. I felt like at that stage, they're both getting out. They're seeing their friends and on a good week, I might have seen them a couple, maybe two to three times for dinner, you know, kind of thing, because they're really sort of busy at dinner hours or school stuff kind of thing. And uh, it gave me a chance to know them and for them to know me in a way that otherwise never would have happened. And yeah. it was nothing but good you know, from the standpoint that we... We better understand each other. And it really created, a, I feel like, a launching pad and a grounding opportunity for them as they go forward in their life to sort of have a little bit more. Yeah, and we talked about business. We talked about relationships. We talked about everything you can imagine. And we learned a lot of fun games. And yeah, I basically, we played poker. My daughter learned how to bluff and, <laughs> and how, to, how to get her bluff called. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And my, you know, we were playing trivia pursuit, and it was great, great to see, you know, how they showed up and how they respond to each other. You know, how you lose is a big part of life, and when you're playing those games, you learn a lot about that kind of stuff, especially with the family kind of energy. You know, that's awesome. You know, um, just my impression of your teenagers. You know, they're very um, awoke. They're they're like aware. They're they're solid, man. They're they have good confidence when they walk into the room, but they're not you know, braggadocious about their confidence. It's just a very, you know, it's a quiet confidence that they carry and they're very, they're, they have big hearts and you could just see the intelligence and, and just hear it in their voice. Um, and that's what I want to get from you, man, because you have some successful teens. I, I look at the demeanor and how the, how a teen carries themselves, right? How they look you in the eye, how they shake your hand, just the little things. That's what I look at. And I see, well, that's a successful teen, right? Um, and I wanted to kind of ask you, you know, what are the things foundationally that, you know, you've done to help foster their upbringing to create successful teens like you've done? Well, I, I like to think that's actually the case. And I believe 
<laughs> you know, you just do your best. You so you just, it turns out one way or another. There's no guarantees on any of it. Yeah. I mean, you know as well as anybody. Yeah. I think that the things that in hindsight, when I look back on what the first 15, 18 years of their life, there's a lot of things that really that I did, but there's I would really give their mother most of the credit because at the end of the day, she was really showing up with that, you know, that mothering, loving, I got you, everything's okay, that connection that a kid needs when they're young that dad can do, but not the way a mom can. And so I feel like they got that over and over and in spades with that level of attention and consciousness that made them feel like they were okay. You know, they got enough love. And I feel like as they move through their life, as if they've gone forward, it's like, they haven't been wanting for that. And as you know, when you got that, when you're young, you get a stability and a, and a security and a sort of an energetic safety net internally that makes it a lot easier for you to be the real you rather than sort of worrying, wondering, searching in a lot of ways. So I think what I did was sort of the easy part in some ways. You know, I provided the environment for that safety and security to happen and was there. I was really as a yeah, we, you don't know this, but the bottom line is they grew up and were born in Kauai. So they never were really in the city energy of the mainland or the city very much at all. Mm -hmm. So they really grew up in a very peaceful, open, energetic, you know, super really sweet vibrational space. And I feel like that's when you talk about they're okay with themselves and energetically they're connected and they're sort of in some way, very relaxed, you know, it's yeah. almost like you'd expect, you know, if you don't feel like there's urgency around things, you're sort of okay with the way things are. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. And like you said, it takes it. We always, we always talk about this on the show. It does take a village and, you know, your wife, you know, a huge part of that village, you know, the backbone of that village and, um, or their mother. And, uh, and so for you, um, coming in and being the supporter of that, creating that space and them taking on the energy even of the island of Kauai, which is so awesome um you know and and kids are are coming up in all different environments and so it really shows you know how precious an environment is and how much love and support that we can give our kids especially early on that's going to continue to work throughout their lives you know um chris what what would you say are like the the any, any big pieces of advice that you give your kids that you try to stick with, that you keep coming back to as like your core philosophy? Yeah, I feel parent? like for them, it's, you know, from the earliest age for me personally, what I was trying to give them is like, you're going to get out in the world and you're going to get tested by life. And people are going to tell you a lot of this and a lot of that. At the end of the day, you know what right is. And, and it, you got to check yourself internally using your truth, your intuition, whatever that story is that you want to know is you. But you come up with what you know is right. And you own that as time passes. And I, I feel like the way we were, I was constantly putting them in environments where they had a choice. They could choose, you know, could it be this path or could it be that? And they, I feel like it was really beautiful because they learned naturally on their own what was right. And they sort of got that sense of objectivity and self-referral that gave them some clarity on, on the simple, you know, the things that we take for granted in some way, how simple it is when you really are, are checking in with yourself at an intuitive gut energy to make these decisions rather than relying on somebody's opinion or being swayed by somebody's opinion that you're close to. So I feel yeah. like that energetically was huge. 
But I would, I'd also say that we, you know, at a really young age, I was really into the energetic piece of relationship. Mm. So it's like, what was the energy that Brenda and I were bringing to the table every day? What were we letting into the house? You know, what food were we eating? What media were we consuming? What songs mm. were we singing? What we, what friends did we let in? You know, it was, mm. I felt like it was a, in some way it was a, as parents, we were doing a pretty conscious job of maintaining an energetic boundary so that we had that clarity of mind and the consciousness that could grow from that. It's almost like if you had a beautiful plant, you'd like to have the best sun, the best fertilizer, the best, you know, space for it to grow. And I feel like, you know, again, you never know how the plant's going to turn out. It could be, you know, you could give it all the love in the world, it might just not work out very good. But I feel like we were just really... I think gifted from God in some way with that opportunity to do it that way. And then we had kids with spirits that wanted that at some level. We're open to that way of being, being heard. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Like you hit on a big thing you know, that we always talk about, Chris, is, you know, and you said that self-referral, you know, instead of not looking at things outside of yourself for your value and for your worth, you know, and to be able to give them that and have that self-referral where, you know, our, who we are in life isn't necessarily tied to what other people think. It's not necessarily right. tied to all these things. And when you say that, and then you combine the environment piece with it on top of it, I think that's so huge. And, you know, that's something that for, I know Forrest hits in his program, we hit in ours pretty heavily. So that was awesome to hear that, that you guys actually implement that within the home. So that's great. Well, I think it's huge. I think like you, you're both sort of referring to too, it's like, what, what is the environment that's going to switch on the best in that person? You know, there's things that's going to switch on the worst, we know, and not we know, but we probably can imagine pretty easily. Sure. And then it's like, what are those things if you're going to get nurture it and fertilize it and love it to make it be its truest, best self and whatever it is? I think that's the, sometimes the hardest part as a parent to love a kid for being a kid and not for being the kid you want him to be. And I feel like we both sort of were altruistic enough as parents to see the sure. beauty. You know, for me, I even have this today. It's like my daughter, she's. 18 now and she is a 55 year old woman she will tell me the way it is and the way I'm, what i'm doing right and what i'm doing wrong in a heartbeat and so it's like you know there was used to be if i was in my dad's you know time period he would not hear any of that that energy would not be allowed but for me it's almost the exact opposite you know it's like when she's speaking her truth i don't want to get in her way i'm just like bring it on i may not agree with you but i love <laughs> the fact that you're strong-willed enough to say it you know, I don't, yes. want to, I don't want to negatively impact that energy field or that willpower that she has to be your true self, whatever that is. I no, love yeah, that. Yeah, same here. I think that's huge. You know, we we get that a lot and working with a lot of teens uh, and even, you know, I have a son, he's four years old and you even catch it. You know, I catch myself sometimes having to stop kind of what I want to project on how he needs to be and just kind of look at some of what he's going through, whether it's behavioral or, or the good things as well as kind of like you said, peel a couple of layers deep and, you know, he's only just a child and it's sacred in my opinion. It's sacred to be a father and oh, without, without growing, without growing up without one man, my whole life, like being a father has been one of the most sacred things I can see because I just see myself so much in him, you know? Mm. So it's, it's well just, real, yeah, it's just, it, it, that's kind of how I've, I've taken that approach. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of the fathers out there too, uh, specifically, you know, single fathers, so I'll talk to them for a second, is listen to kind of what some of the stuff that Chris is saying right now, some of the practicality of figuring out what environment best suits your child, you know, to have either success or to be balanced or be more aware. 
Uh, that was some really, really good tips. So thank you. Mm, gladly, gladly. One of the things I'm thinking of as you're speaking is, um, you know, just kind of like going back into like how my kids, the energetic state of the home, right, which was uh, tumultuous and uh, and everything. And, you know, we went through a divorce and all this stuff, and it was very difficult for my kids. Um, and, you know, uh, so I have regrets. Like, I feel like I didn't do enough. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't provide enough safety. Um, and, and a lot of it was out of my control, but I still feel like, like, could I have done more? What would you say to parents like me that feel like, you know, did we, did we jack up our kids <laughs> forever? Uh, because we're always trying to do the best we can with the tools that we have at the time that we have them. Um, what would you say to a parent that, you know, is trying to do their best? I feel like it's, you know, to me, it's so simple. And I'm, you know, as much as I might have given, I'm sure I could have done better too. You know, and there's nobody, there's nobody out there that couldn't have done more. You can mm -hmm. always do more. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it is, it's like these kids, this is my, my approach to life in a lot of ways. It's like they, we all come in with a soul's journey. You know, we have this opportunity to live a life. There's no guarantees with any of it. Yeah. And, you know, I went through a divorce, too. It's like I, I feel like that was more of a gift to my child than it was a hindrance because it gave them a chance at an early age to see how those things to work through a bunch of stuff. You know, I probably wouldn't want to wish it on a kid. But the reality is, is if you're going through difficult things when you're young, you got a chance to see more of the world and see who you really are. And I feel like none of this stuff is bad. It's your reaction to it that's, that gets a story around it. So mm. if you can react in a way and you can show me, maybe for me, just showing how I reacted to things with my children, to give them that perspective that they, they have choices no matter what their life is and that they're going to have tough stuff happen. It's part of living a human life in today's world and that it's all OK. You know how you react is all, all OK. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody is going to be perfect. And you're just an aspect of nature that's truly living. There's you don't have to be a certain way to be okay. You're good enough just by the fact that you made it to this point in the evolutionary history of mankind. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, let's be lucky we're alive. We're on the planet, and we're still we're still alive yeah, and these kicking. Kind of problems are a luxury. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to us live, go ahead and chime in on the chat with any questions that you uh, may have, and uh, just say hi. Say your say your name. Say where you're from. We're trying out. Um, a new platform and uh, we might go back to the old platform because Facebook has just messed with our algorithm since we've been using the the new platform so we might start back with the old way uh, next week but either way um, you're gonna be able to access this recording and we're now as of yesterday officially on Apple podcast which was formerly known as iTunes so uh, yay where the shows on Apple podcast we're also on we're also officially on Pandora, we're on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and a host of other networks. So you can access this anywhere. If you want to check out our podcast directly, you can go to www.parentteenmindsetshow.com and you can enter your email. Um, we'll send you some cool stuff and you'll be inside of our community as well. Uh, Chris, so, um, yeah, go ahead, Bo. Yeah, so I got a question. So you mentioned something, I had to write it down because um, I've heard certain forms of this, but you said it and it like really kind of like shifted something within me. So you said how you lose is a big part of life. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I want to know how you what? Things. How you what is a big part of life? 
You said how you lose is a big part right, of life. Right, right, right. Right. Can you expand on some of that a little bit and kind of like maybe talk about maybe some of yours and then how you depart that, you know, how you would depart that to parents and relate it to teens? So first, the first question is, is, you know, what are some of the ones that, you know, what have you gone through that you would consider something that really taught you a big part about life? What loss did? And then how would you help convey that to your teens? Well, as you know, it comes in a lot of different formats, you know, sure. losing, losing a, a grandparent or something like that's it's one form of loss uh losing a football game is another kind yeah. of a loss you know losing a friend there's so many different ways you lose and i feel like we're defined by how we manage our losses and and, and in some way that's our crucible of life to say well who are you really what does mm -hmm. your self-identity want to become what do you want for yourself to truly be and i feel like for me my biggest gift you know, unknowingly at the time to myself in that capacity was as a kid, I was just crazy into sports and super competitive. So I would lose all the time. It was just part of my <laughs> life and lifestyle. I every, you know, I was playing sports every day after school, half the time I'd win, half the time I'd lose. But usually when you're losing, you're getting better, whether you know it or not. So I feel like the more I was unknowingly at the time, the more I was losing, I was slowly improving, either with mentally, emotionally or physically. So I feel like if having played, you know, I played sports nonstop for like 20 years of my life from, you know, seven, eight years old, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, you know, inside ping pong, you know, just checkers, chess, you know, there was not a card game we, never, we didn't play. It's like when you get good at a young age of losing and handling rejection, the rejection that happens when you play sports in, emotionally and internally you get comfortable with it. And when you're comfortable with rejection, you, you're good with having more of it and not acting like it's a problem. It's just act like it's part of living. And I feel like to have that at a young age is a huge gift because it doesn't make you shrink from something that doesn't work. So now fast forward 20, 30 years of my life and I'm making sales calls for my advertising company. It's like, I was making 80 calls to sell two people. You know, most oh, yeah. people, oh, yeah. when they make those first 50 calls, nobody says yes. They say, man, this isn't working. Yeah. But to me, it's like, oh, I need to make more calls to make it work. <laughs> yeah, the old cold calling, <laughs> and, man. And figuring out how to refine the pitch to make it better, you know, whatever that yep. story wanted to be. Yeah. So I feel yep. like that competitive gene and that willingness to not give up and that desire to let that belief, that faith that we all have in the back of our mind when we know something's possible, to hold on to that and not give it up just because it, we're not immediately satisfied to have the infinite patience and tenderness with ourselves. So we can weather the storm. I feel like is, is really, is really significant. It is, man. That's such a good lesson too. And you hit on that, you know, if you want to teach a, a teen uh, a little bit about some uh, resiliency, get them to cold call a hundred businesses a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Heck Man, yeah. I'll tell you they a funny will story. Learn everything they need to know. I'm, real quick, I'm right telling here, you, man. I got, when I got out of the Marine Corps, about when I got out of the Marine Corps, yeah, absolutely. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I, uh, I did a little, a little bit of payroll as well, and uh, I just I, I, I just dove right into cold calling, and it was just a grind, man. And I and oh I you know I was God. doing and I was used to doing presentations, and I was running a nonprofit, so I could ask for donations. But doing that cold calling or and then walking into businesses that don't know you, that's a different it's a different animal. So I hear you, man. Yeah, I was, was selling stuff. greeting cards when I was ten years old to my neighbors in my small town in Minnesota, man. That was <laughs> that's a hard what's up. One. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Asking people you know that didn't have that much money to spend 10 bucks on some greeting cards. You know? I, oh, yeah. 
That's yeah. true. I mean, we, we uh, you know, I think uh, kids, the youth have it different these days. I remember being about 11 years old and with me and my friend, Matt, we would knock door to door and we'd have a rake and, totally. uh, you know, we, we would just ask, Hey, can we, can we uh, mow your lawn and rake your leaves for five bucks an hour? And we just made some extra money that way, you know, and trimming ice plants and whatever we could do. And, uh, and then I, and yep. then I age 12, I started my paper route, you know, and I'm, and I'm collecting money. I got bills, you know, and I'm totally. driving that around and, these kids, they don't get that, man. They don't get that. It's a work ethic. You know, I, I had the paper out too. I was nine and 10 years old in a small town in Minnesota. Never once did dad give us a ride. There wasn't even a possibility. So six o'clock in the morning and the, you know, it was 50 degrees below zero someday. It's like <laughs> my brother would be falling over on the side of the road. It was so icy. The papers were all over the road oh. crying and I would save him <laughs> from, from death. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, but that's where life was happening. When you do that, when you're young, you don't, you aren't worried. You, you, you get a sort of a grit for life. You say, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to, Ask myself if I can do it. I'm just, I got to do it. I have no choice. Having yeah. no choice. I love that. Having no choice. So I'm going to put that in the caption box. Yes. And it's Time good to live, to... man. Now it's it is. It's the only it one is. we got. Especially I now agree too. with you. You know, it's like a lot of the, yeah. it's just, I, I, we've come up in a different time period now. It's like things were accepted to be harder back then. Now they're accepted to be more easy. And it's like, we aren't being the kids aren't being tested even parents aren't being tested enough to see who they really are and if we had more of that opportunity i think we could make more of the opportunity that we really have and, and yeah i agree and i think it like it opens it also opens up their minds and it increases to me anytime you go through something difficult you know if you have a decent mental perspective on it it opens up creativity we always talk about that like creativity is a gateway you know to unlocking different potential and different gifts that we didn't know we had and that's something that we always talk about in order to unlock creativity sometimes we have to go through challenges right because we have to creatively move through them and understand how to meet obstacles where they're at and understand exactly what you're going into and that's something that we always always talked about for years chris is like hey how can we unlock creativity in different ways with the teams that we're working with and one way was to challenge them you know we use like obstacle courses and physical fitness we use other things to kind of get them there if they're out of shape but once we realize that there are other ways to do that mentally and spiritually as well to open their minds up to new pieces of information that that might challenge them and for them to actually go into it we saw a lot of growth within teens and it was just that's very giant I, I feel like it's the best thing in the world man yeah and if they can, if they can get comfortable with discomfort, if they can be good with being challenged, because like you said, the more it's hard, the more they're learning about themselves, whether they know it or not. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, can you be okay with things being a little rough? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting test and it's not something very commonly pushed in today's world. You know, it's, it's like we're looking for the way to be pain free and live a life. You know, it's like we're this world of distractions. I don't want to feel anything. The less I feel, the happier I am. I'm not feeling pain fundamentally. But you need that pain. It's a motivator. That anxiety is a motivator. That stress is a motivator to say, I have to try something different. I have to figure out another way so that I can feel good. And hopefully it's not using drugs and alcohol and next distraction. It's using consciousness and common sense to do things that we know in it people really checking with themselves, they know are good for themselves rather than anything less than that. You're dropping some wisdom bombs, consciousness and common sense. Let's bring those two together, <laughs> right? Let's bring those two together. Why um, not? Right? Yeah. You know, Chris, you've been able to earn, attract, 
manage wealth. And, you know, I, I look up to you for that. Um, you have a wealth mindset, right? And a lot of families, right? They have a scarcity mindset, a mindset of lack. Um, they're coming from poverty and they're trying to create generational wealth and they're trying to turn the tide on that. Um, what do you do for yourself or for your kids to instill a mindset of wealth consciousness? Well, you know, it's, and you know, this was the education system today. I feel like it's not giving you that. It's giving you almost the exact opposite. It's telling you to go work for the man at some level or that you can't and you just got to struggle through this program and hope you might be able to do something that's got an economic benefit at some point. I feel like the education system is totally outdated. I don't think it's aligned with the things we know we need in today's world to be healthy, to be conscious, to be successful from a personal health, personal finance and uh, financial freedom standpoint. So I feel like I've had, I've had those conversations repeatedly at every level with the health stuff and eliminating toxins from your life and creating what you want to see more of, not waiting for it to come to you. So I feel like over time, it's been instilled in them some in some way biologically, but in other ways, just from the conversations we've had. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's like the way they're learning to, to cope with the world is a great example because they're fundamentally, what sets them apart maybe than from their friends is they're not relying on the system to solve their problem. They're realizing if they're going to make themselves happy, they have a unique snowflake kind of a path to life. They have to figure themselves out enough to honor themselves enough to go get that, whatever that is. And only they know. So like my, my son, he's more of a skateboarder kind of guy. He, he's, he was done with school three years ago. And it's like, you know, you, you're smart enough. You can figure it out. I trust you. Go, just go do, do what it is you love and let's get a business going maybe so you have an income besides skateboarding because that's probably not the biggest moneymaker <laughs> in the world. But so you can get your feet on the ground and you know what it's going to take to manage step one, which is basic needs, and step two is enough wealth to start managing wealth. So, and, and I've done sort of something separate with my daughter saying, who are you? What do you really want? And she sort of, she's played around with, a brand she wants to develop and a bathing suit business she wants to develop, but she wants to go to college too. And it's like, we've had some really good conversations of what's the why behind those conversations that make that truth be real or not. So I think it's, it's the, you know, at the end of the day, this is all love at the end of the day, the love of yourself enough to know who you are enough to know what you really want and to know what as a parent you're willing to give to connect with your child, to see how you can truly help, them as individual human beings, not as a carbon copy of you. That's so awesome. Yeah, because as a parent, we're thinking, you know, maybe maybe we're just doing it on our conditioning. Hey, let's go to college. Let's push you in this direction. Well, that might not be the best choice for them. Maybe they'd be better at a vocational school, learning a craft, getting a mentor. A hundred percent. You know, 100%. and there might not. And we have we have our whole school system seemingly designed for this pigeonholed one size fits all model that's not really working for a lot of kids. And um, so I like what you said, you know, just to really um, get them to kind of tune in to what it is that they love and then steer it in ways that they can be creative. School might be a part of that. School might not be. But, you know, being open as a parent, being open. Yeah, and really being able to see them as individuals that want to grow in life. And 
You're right. It might not have even, I mean, my daughter loves art. She loves music. You know, there's not a big financial return for that, but she does know she needs to generate enough income to have, to take care of herself. Mm -hmm. So it's like how she understands the, the job that she needs to get there and how she needs to create a living environment to do that. I think just to have those conversations with kids, be, you know, years before they're of that age to plant that seed. So they're ahead of the curve and understanding the pieces and parts that have to come together for them to afford a car, afford insurance, afford gas, to understand what it takes to have a safe place to live and the type of people you want to live with. All those conversations, we know that if you know what's happening ahead of time, you can sort of plan and you've got time and you think about it and do it right as compared to, oh my God, I got to figure out how to do this pretty quick and my mom and dad can only help me so much kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a lot you, of that goes, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. A lot of that goes back, you know, how you demonstrate your leadership and how you demonstrate how you live your home life too. You know, they're always watching. Our kids are always watching, you know, and the best way to do it is to live it yourself. And we talked about that a little bit last week is, you know, be that example within the home consistently, you know, and create. And if it's not happening with a lot of parents and, and you know, no one's perfect then create that system, you know, create that. Like we've been talking about, have a system where, you are checking in with your child where you are taking that time to connect with them at least a couple of times a week or where you're putting them in a position where they can find things that they enjoy and that they love so if you're dealing with a very reclusive child and they're staying and they're and they're just behind the computer screen especially in this post-pandemic world that they've been so used to over the last year get them out and like like they're talking about if it's not necessarily school it doesn't mean that it's the end of the end of their life it doesn't mean that's the end of their career there are endless options out there that a lot of times are more economically viable than going to a four-year college. Mm, I couldn't agree more. It's really just yeah. like Forrest was saying, to understand each individual enough to sort of understand what they really need and what's available in the environment. Absolutely. Mm. What, what, when do you know when to let go and step back? Like there's that helicopter parent approach, right? Of, uh, you know, trying to, you know, just always just kind of like putting so much pressure that we put on ourselves as a parent. When do you know when to kind of step back? I feel like I, you know, I was wanting them to, I was wanting to know that they had a safe place at home, mm -hmm. but they had to go figure it out. So mm -hmm. energetically, I was always pushing them out and always, you know, letting them know that it was okay to explore. And that I was, you know, that if you had a question, I'm here, but I'm not really going to solve your problem. You got to go out in the world and figure it out. So I That's think- awesome. From an early age, I, I felt like I was always stepping back. I was ideally, the, the, as soon as I started walking, I was stepping further and further back. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that they that's were great. just playing with life and learning by doing, you know? So that was just baked into the pie already, you know, that, that totally. whole thing of just, okay, that's awesome. What about, um, you know, a lot of parents are giving, 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 like I said, but then not doing any self-care. And for you, you know, successful parent with successful teens, where do you put self-care? Like, um, like, have you been going on your own journey of growth and, and making time for that? Uh, maybe reading self-development books or doing things that are spiritual in nature or, um, you know, I know you do the, the, the healthy juices, the healthy eating, the healthy lifestyle. What do you think about self-care and how parents often push it away, thinking that they're going to give more to their families just by focusing in, focusing in on them? but then forgetting about themselves. I think what you brought up a little while ago is spot on. It's like we end up spending a lot of time on all these distractions and, and we're so good at not feeling. Mm. For me personally, 
I had an, I've had enough pain in my life that has helped me in a huge way to know that it's okay to feel uncomfortable. So I feel like, like you're saying, there is a range of reading you can do for sure, but there's nothing like experience. And for me, it's like, there's a story that uh, Plato wrote, and it was about a prison. And the prison was our mind. And our minds have put us in this mental prison. And our souls are trying to get out of the prison. And every time we, we get a little bit out, our mind's trying to pull us back with pain and fear and doubt and worry. And same with people, your best friends. When you, they see you get outside the, the box, they, they want you back. You know, they get jealous. They, they tell stories. They don't like it, you know, because it makes them feel bad about themselves. So it's like, I, I want to create the opportunity for myself where I'm more often than not feeling uncomfortable because I know that creative spirit that we were talking about earlier is being maintained. Meaning every time I am creative, I feel a little doubt. I feel a little worried. I feel a little uncomfortable. And usually the more uncomfortable that I feel, the more creative it is and more original it is for me to do it. So it's like, I, yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing how much, you know, five or 10 years ago when I had a fair amount of money, I, I was thinking, oh, now I don't have to do anything. Life is easy. <laughs> but the reality, the reality is it's almost the exact opposite. That mentality will bring on depression guarantee yeah. it that mentality will bring on a lot of suffering because you're more in a i'll just do enough to get by than truly living and your soul saying man i'm not going to just you know survive i want to live a life if we're going to be here and that's what's happened with everybody with this you got depression anxiety they're so worried about this fearful about that they're not pushing outside that boundary and saying i'm going for it it's gonna hurt it's good that it's hurting that means i'm growing let's go so, so I think that's fundamentally the piece that, I mean, if you can deliver that to the kids in the universe as we know it, I feel like we would weather these storms, be more conscious, be more sober, more, be more alive, be more awakened energetically to who we are, not just what we want to become enough to sort of get by. That's awesome. Marianne, did you have any comments or questions for, for Chris today? Um, he really drives a really interesting point home. I think as parents, we really protect our children from pain. We protect them from sadness sometimes. And when we do that, we don't really necessarily allow them a way to learn how to cope with it. You know, we, we I work with a lot of children who are dealing with severe grief and um, it's a severe loss in their life. And I think as parents, I know I've done it. You try to protect them from the pain, but as they grow up, you know, they need to they need to learn how to deal with that because i'm not always going to be here and it's not really my job at that point you know you've got to learn you've got to learn how to do these coping skills and, you, and you're right chris you know learning them at an early age you take that with you all your life you know sometimes we'll ask a child or we'll ask the parent what's the child's first rec recollection of death oh well we didn't take them to the funeral we don't talk about that and you know and you have such pain which I understand, but at the same time, they don't have the opportunity to learn some coping skills. Now they're, you know, 25 years old, maybe just got out of college, and they don't have maybe the coping skills they could have had as a child um, to help them through what they're going through now, which whether even the pandemic, like you're saying, is causing so much isolation and depression, and maybe they didn't learn coping skills as a child. So 
I, I love what Chris is saying. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm just sitting here taking it all in. No, yeah. And, you know, make a really good point, too. So if Thank it's not being, up. yeah, if it's not being discussed openly, especially when, you know, they have, they have the ability to have that open conversation, which you can do it a lot younger than you think, parents. You can be more honest and more open a lot earlier than you think. You don't have to wait till they're 16 True. or 17. True. You really yes. don't. Like, I just want people, you know, parents to know that. Like, you can actually talk about these things creatively and openly at a very young age and we yep. do so that's a big thing in our house is you know we yeah. use and we use like as far as death is concerned like animals when they go we use that as a tool we don't hide we don't really do anything from it you know we use that as a tool because it's important because they're going to be watching you withdraw they're going to be your energy and chris has been hitting on it man like the energetic uh, makeup and creation that you have in your household, the kids pick up on it. And we all know that like they, if we're withdrawing and not talking about things that are hard, they're going to withdraw and not talk about things that are hard for them. And it's all, it's all that cyclical balance, right? It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal energy that we all, that we're all dealing with. So I think that's such a huge, huge, um, you know, nuance that I wanted to kind of bring out into a larger category. So thank you for that, Mary. That was good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even Sesame Street has very difficult conversations now. You know, they talk about yeah. they're um, talking about um, uh, homosexuality. They're talking about those conversations that, you know, parents struggle to talk about. So they don't sometimes, you know, and then where they get those coping skills is from a sibling, an aunt, a friend. <laughs> it's an easy enough parental skill that you know we can help them at a very early age yep i love it so chris as we um start to um wind down the podcast and this has been one of the most amazing podcasts so far i mean every guest gets better and better right bo and uh this has been like a very conscious conversation and i knew it would be right i knew it would be because of the type of energy who you are chris so thank you so much um is there anything that we didn't ask you or any kind of quotes that you live by or any books that you recommend or just anything at all um, as we close out or if you just have a closing statement that you want to round things out with what do you got you know what, I, what comes up for me is it's like what you see in another you have to have in yourself for you to see beauty in me you have to have beauty in yourself for you to see love and compassion and understanding you have to have that you don't just get that overnight. You have to get it by acquiring it, by learning, by loving yourself fundamentally enough to want to care to know those things about yourself. What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What, where, where do you hurt in a way you don't know how to deal with it? And when you can accept those kind of things and see those things in yourself and then start seeing them and accepting themselves and other and rather than judging and acting like somebody's bad because they're just trying to work the best they can through a difficult situation. It creates so much more compassion for themselves, but fundamentally it gives it, it gives you the flexibility of being your real self and love you, yourself for being imperfect as well. So I feel like if there was one thing that I feel like is the greatest gift, it's like to truly see ourselves in a, as an aspect of nature. We're just like a plant growing. We're not a perfect plant. We're just a plant. We're doing the best we can with what we got. We got some sun, we got some fertilizer, we got some rain, sometimes a little more or less than others. And it's like, we should be happy that we got a good life at all. And we have these capability to learn and grow the way we have. And if we would just know that it's okay for us to have every feeling, to have every emotion, to have every fear, and to accept that as a beautiful aspect of our humanity and use it as a way for us to say, this is a complete life. 
I'm not perfect. I'm not bad. I'm not, I'm not a thing because I had this thing. I'm whatever I want to be tomorrow. And I can be whoever I want to be the next day after that as well. And so I, I feel like the greatest gift here is to know that you are an unbounded living spirit that can literally create as, as every, every molecule can and does on the planet, whatever it wants to mutate, mutate into as it grows into this experience of life. So it's like, don't limit yourself by your old story. Create the new story. Live your dream tomorrow based on what you believe and know is real in your heart. Man, awesome. that's so huge. It is, especially the Chris part. Jay. Yeah, man, I, like the self-love part, man, and like giving it to yourself first. That's such a huge principle no one talks about enough. They just don't talk about it enough. Like in order to have compassion for others, we have to be compassionate for ourselves. It does not, it does not work the other way around. And, you know, we're so intolerant of ourselves sometimes, right? I'm guilty of it. We get so intolerant of ourselves and, and just the, even the small things around us, like maybe our children, our teens, we get so intolerant, then that's why there's so much intolerance in society. And 100%. So, dude, that's, we've been, I've just really been on that the last well, six months. I, I like I've been on that vibe for like the last six months hard, man. I mean, we inherited a culture, a left brain, male dominated patriarchal society. Men, young men have been hurt by as much as young women have. It's time to write the ship and say, it's okay to communicate. It's okay to have compassion. It's okay to have love. Yes. If you can have it for yourself, you can give it for, to others and you can see it in others in a way you would never even know to begin it otherwise. We, you know, I was taught, my dad's a German banker. It's my way or the highway. Gold makes the rules. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a military complex, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it was good that I had that when I was young because now I know what I'm not when I'm older. <laughs> 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 what I don't want to do. Right. It takes time. You know, you got to figure out what you still ingrained it in me at a cellular level. So I still have to keep pushing it off over time. Yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Every parent wants to do one better than the generation before. And we keep learning and we keep growing and we keep just uh, learning how to accept and love ourselves. Right. True. Um, yeah. If we really want that, you know, we got to show up. It just doesn't happen naturally. You really got to show up. You got to be willing to step into the pain and willing oh, yeah. to have that infinite tenderness with your heart and with your consciousness and not try to act like, oh, I figured it out. Let your mind solve the problem because you can't solve it from a a mental construct you have to feel it in at a heart in a soul way in a way that it, your body learns it on its own you know awesome. i feel like that's a huge step as well we try to mentally solve it and fix it rather than let our body feel it and live through it let our body feel it and live through it well said chris j thank you so much for being on the podcast <laughs> yeah, chris this you. has been awesome thank you so much Marianne, you've been awesome. Thank you. Uh, Chris, do you have any websites that you want to point people to? Or we can always put it in the show notes later if you, if nothing, you don't have anything. Nothing that I got going other than maybe, you know, if you want. No, not, there's nothing really that comes up. Okay. If, if anything comes up in the future, this is a, you know, that you're, you're, uh, this will be up there in perpetuity. So we can always add it to the show notes later. So check the show notes. We'll have different quotables that Chris said and a lot of takeaways. And uh, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Bo. Have a wonderful night. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Mr. Thank you, everybody. That was fun. Until next See you guys. Time. It was fun. Until next time. Great. Thank you. Peace. See ya. All right. Nice job. Nice job.